Thomas, it's been a while. It certainly has. But we're back with a vengeance. (laughs) (laughs) But we've now decided that we were way too ugly for film of these days. All decrepit and horrible and crumbly. So I think we've both came up with the idea that we found recording actually a bit more of a pleasurable experience. Absolutely. Just the audio. And the format going forward, I think, is going to stay with audio. And today, we're talking about one of my favourite topics, actually, alongside rugby, beer, and possibly real estate. (laughs) (laughs) Shouldn't say that, should I? Um, Unbeknown to many of us, there is actually what you call, Thomas, a silent revolution going on that barely anybody is talking about. You rarely read about it in the press, and you hardly ever see it on TV, but it's a silent revolution that will have profound effects on everybody and everything throughout the world, from how our economies work, how we are going to look at, be looked after when we get old, to whether we will even have grandchildren, and what actually will be the composition of our local societies and indeed the world going forward. What are we talking about, Thomas? We are talking about significant demographic changes that are happening in the world these days. So in essence, our silent revolution can explain under three broad headings. Uh, I think the first one we can call, uh, should we say, the exponential growth at the beginning uh, of of the century, um, 19th century, uh, is now changing. Uh, We are seeing the start of a potential steep population decline, which could, according to some, lead to a population collapse. The second factor is there's a huge change in the makeup of society and that's happening all over the world leading to many more older people and fewer children and youngsters. And the third, there is a sharp disparity between population growth in the various continents. So basically Africa is growing while the rest of the world is uh, seeing their populations falling and that will have significant effects on societies moving forward. So I saw that, um, I think it was in 2022, there was a bit of a Yahoo on Facebook and Instagram and God knows what else. And um, it was when Elon Musk was tweeting that the population collapse due to low birth rate is a much bigger risk to civilization than global Mm. warming. Mark these words, he said. But when you look at the data, that seems to completely fly in the face of historical experience. Mm. Um, I've been reading or trying to extrapolate, you know, what some of the data and the world's population in 1700, so that only 600 million, which is a bit less than the population of Europe today, not by much. Um, But by 1900, it eased up to 1.5 billion before growing further to 2.5 billion in 1950. But today, the world's population is just over 8 billion. That's an exponential growth, if you think about it, in the last three quarters of a century. Uh, and when you look at things in a, in a historical context. Now, the UN predicts that the world's population will experience further growth to stand at around about 9.7 billion in 2050 and will reach a peak of 10.83 billion in 2086 and then decline again to just over 10.3 billion in 2100. So at first glance, it will stay relatively steady and, and some of the, you know, the commentators out there, which are not the UN, are actually saying the UN numbers are, are far too optimistic in terms of the numbers they're going to achieve. They think they're going to be significantly lower. So I hear you all asking, what's going on and what are we and Ellen 
Musk really talking about? Is this all sensationalist nonsense, this, um, this revolution we're talking about? What do you think, Thomas? Well, well, if you look into the figures, the United Nations estimates that the rate of growth in the population actually peaked at 2.3%, and that was in 1963. Since then, it has dropped every year. And the rate now uh, is 0.9%. So when you say the rate of growth, I guess that's, that's how much more it grows every year from last year, correct? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So it's almost getting to the point now where it's leveling out. Yeah, and the big driver in the population increase, you might think it's uh, you know more children being born, you know, but there has actually been a decrease in fertility rates. So the number of children that each woman has has been going down. What has been increasing is our living age. We live longer, so the proportion of older people has gotten much, much greater. And that's the main cause of why populations are increasing. So, so to set that in context, I understand having read you know, a few articles about this, that you need to have, so each woman in the world over her lifetime needs to have an average 2.1 babies each exactly in order to keep the population steady which kind of makes sense doesn't it because you are going to lose some babies and you know and and then you need to have one for the man and one for the woman to actually replace the population right so in 1963 i read that each woman on average was having just over five children worldwide mm -hmm. yeah uh, and even six or seven in places like China. China was actually six children in 1963, would you believe? Mm -hmm. yeah. Africa was over seven. Um, and it's fair to say that that's dropped drastically. And as of today, the total fertility rate worldwide stands at around about 2.3 per woman. They don't know the exact number, but they think it's about 2.3 per woman. Mm -hmm. And that is only just above the replacement rate. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, you see big nations like uh, India, uh, Iran, you know, nations that you would think would have much higher fertility rates. It's, it's actually pretty low. It's down at two, you know, like uh, many European countries. Um, what is interesting is that the fertility rates varies widely. Um, the lowest, I think it's in South Korea, where it's 0 0.7, so less than one child per couple, per woman. Um, in Spain, it's 1.19, which is also extremely low. The highest figures you will find in Africa uh, and countries like Niger, uh, where it's 6.7 children born per, per woman. And you have similar figures in, 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 in their neighboring countries, such as Mali. Um, and this is also why we are said to have a silent revolution. So when you dig into the numbers, then broadly fertility rates are roughly, very roughly speaking, as follows. So Europe has 1.6 children mm. per woman. North America's at 1.8. South America's at 2. And Asia's at 2. Mm. So it's really only Oceania at mm. 2.3. And Africa, which is currently only at 4.1, mm -hmm. which is historically quite low for Africa, yeah. at above the placement rate. And within the continents, like, the differences are huge. You said Asia, it's 2. But you have countries like... Korea, as we mentioned, 0.7. China is also down at 1.2, 1.3, something like that. Singapore, Japan, all those nations in that part of Asia is very low, extremely low. Whereas other nations such as Afghanistan, of course, much, much higher. So, so Thomas, you know, the obvious question out there is, so if everybody's having less babies and most of the continents are actually having less babies than the, the replacement rate, 
how on earth are we still growing as a population and we're still set to be growing until 2086 on UN numbers? That's the big question. And the simple answer is that we are all living longer. Okay. And, and then life expectancy? Yeah. Uh, if you look at figures, you will find that in 1950, life expectancy in the world on average was 48 years old. Which means that you and I would be dead, basically. <laughs> That's quite frightening, isn't it? Uh, if you yeah. go back even further, like 1900, it was 32 years. Yeah, today, I'd be, it's... I'd, I'd be toast by that. It'd be all over. Yeah. Uh, today, it's more than 70, and it's increasing very fast. Um, European nations, it's in their 80s, but many nations that used to have very low um, life expectancy rates are, are now increasing dramatically. China, India, they're all in their 70s now. Um, and Africa is next. I also read a stat that um, it's estimated that life expectancy worldwide is mm. going to keep on getting higher and higher and higher. And they think it'll reach 77 in just 2050, just exactly. 25 years ago. Away. Yeah, yeah. And even 83 in 2100. Oh, yeah. They say kids born in this country and most European countries today will live until it's, uh, it's 100 years old. Yeah. So, so surely then on the back of that, you're going to have, you know, many, many less babies being born and a lot of older people. Right. This must have a huge effect on societies in the world. Oh, yeah. Um, and could this then in turn lead to this tipping point where a massive balloon of older people will die off uh, and not be replaced by, by babies? Or by by new uh, new humans, so you know is is Elon is Elon Musk right? That's that's the big question. Um, well, I, I I found one very interesting statistic, and a bit scary in some ways. We talked about South Korea, zero point seven, right? Yeah. Um, so the question was, how many great grandchildren will one hundred Koreans? Um, have goodness, no idea. 30, 25, 25, six. No, six. So, you have 100 Koreans today, will be six only in what is that, four generations? It's incredible. Can you imagine just this extremely profound effect this will have on societies? But, but who is going to look after all the old people? And who's going to do all the manufacturing, which we need, or the construction jobs? They won't be there. And you can see that in countries like Japan, uh, even in China now. We, we talked about that in some previous episode, where um, you see that the working force is falling. So you, you don't really have any people to, to do the, um, you know, taking care of older people, working in factories and so on. So you have to deal with it in, 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 in other ways. Uh, in more robotics, automation. Uh, you can you know, send manufacturing abroad to, to nations that do have a young population and so on. But of course, this will be a huge problem for so many nations. So really, the, the issue here is more that, there, that there's a big disparity between some parts of the world and other parts of the world, correct? correct? Absolutely, yeah. So, so yeah. to set that into context, we're 8 billion po roughly population for the world today, of which 1.4 billion live in each of Africa, China and India alone. That's mm. pretty much over half the world's population. So if we just explore a little bit about what happens in these regions, because it'll have significant meaning and it really illustrates why we will have this silent revolution which we're going on about. So first of all, we can compare this 1.4 billion in China, India and Africa with the European population. Um, so Europe is just over half of 
of, of that. So it's 740 million people live in Europe as a whole. So they think that by 2100, the population of Africa is set to grow to a staggering 4.2 billion. Mm, mm. So up from 1.4 billion to 4.2 billion. Mm, mm. And that would be over 4 in 10 of the world's population. Incredible. If the UN, which everybody says has been over optimistic on the numbers, is going to be correct. Mm, mm. India, on the other hand, um, I read literally about two years ago, there was expectations that India would be at 1.6 or 1.7 billion up from 1.4 billion. But they now think that the rate of fertility has grown has dropped so far that they think it's going to be around about a billion people. So in even India. their populations will fall. Interesting. Yeah. And then this really, really spooky one is when you start looking at China. So this is where it gets really interesting. By 2050, the population is set to decline gradually in China before absolutely plummeting, with some estimating that China could be have a population as low as 550 million in 2100. Staggeringly, that could be the same as Nigeria's population, which is currently only 213 million. Mm, mm. So this really exemplifies you know, how, how the different pro- growth projectiles are. Uh, and I think that shows it as much as much as anything really. Mm, mm. But if you look at China, you know they had the the one child policy mm, mm. all those years ago. Mm. Yeah, they dropped it now. Uh, I think was it two three years ago they dropped it. Now you were allowed yeah. to have two children, and now it's three children. Right. So no limits basically. I think the one child policy came into uh, was instigated in 1980, mm, mm. and I think it. The, the one-child policy was, was dropped originally in 2005, I think. Right, yeah. For the two-child policy. And that, yeah. now that's it. They, they've just given up on it, have they? Yeah, because wow. it didn't change anything. I think populations just kept on falling. So, yeah. Um, but, also, are not having... but I also read in the Wall Street Journal recently mm. um, that last year alone, births in China fell from the year before by more than half a million babies. Mm, mm. Um, and they, as I say, they, they think now that China's fertility rate is now at one birth per, per woman, remembering, of course, that the replacement rate is, is, is 2.1. Mm-hmm. So this probably compares to about three babies in the late, late 1970s when China was coming out of the chaos of the Cultural Revolution mm. with the, following the death of Mao, Chairman Mao in 1976 um, and his replacement by Deng Xiaoping. Um, interestingly, the one-child policy actually. Do you, do you understand? Did you do you ever know why it came about the one-child policy? Well, they thought that population in China is rising so fast that they will not be able to um, develop their nations. It will be too many poor people, too many people to take care of. So they wanted to reduce the number of um, children being born in order to modernize China. Yeah, I read this fascinating story about this guy called <clears throat> Song Jian, mm-hmm. who was a mathematician who trained in Moscow. And he then went back and became very high up in the Chinese government. And he met a, a Dutch, another Dutch mathematician called Geert and Oldster. Mm-hmm. And so they, together they devised this mathematical model that predicted an explosion in birth rates mm-hmm. all over the world, and particularly in China. And they worked out that if China kept on having babies the way it was having them in the 1970s, they would run up with a population of 4.26 billion Mm. by 2080 if the government did nothing about it. So the government in turn said, okay, we have to do something about this. And and they introduced the the one-child policy, I think at the end of 1979, early Mm. in 1980. Mm. 
Uh, and within a decade, the fertility rate had dropped to replacement rates of 2.1. Exactly. Yeah. Well, but, yeah, yeah. No, but China's not enough. You have North American population. Is, uh, I saw um, that will be held relatively stable, um, much due to immigration. Um, uh, it might even grow slightly. Whereas Europe, where we live, it's set to almost half, you know, from 740 million today. Uh, to about 400 million. So that's, that's a huge fall. And, and that's, we're then going to hit the problems, you know, which, which I guess Japan are having now at the moment. So you were in Japan recently. Right, yeah. And it, over Christmas. And, and th- th- you can really see there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The population aging. So yeah. they're, they're reaching about 30% of the Japanese population is now above 65 years old. Um, in Norway, it's 20. America's less than 20. So, so of course, that will make a huge impact. The thing is, it will rise even further. In many nations, you will have 40, 45, all the way up until 50% of the population being more than 65 years old. And you can just imagine, you know, if you're supposed to retire at 65, which many people do, um, it just doesn't make a you know, add up, you know, because someone will have to work, take care of them, pay the taxes and, and, and all the other things that, you know, keep society going. Well, this, Thomas. Well, I think a major significant factor here is urbanization and the fact that more and more people are moving to cities and towns. And that tends to correlate to less children. Take an example, Ethiopia. The fertility rate in the capital, Addis Ababa, is 1.7, so very low, compared to 4.6 in Ethiopia as a whole, which incidentally is down from 7 in the 1990s. Um, I think we talked about that in the previous episode. If you move to cities, um, you don't really need that many children on the farm. You need to give them education. Housing is expensive and so on. So that tends to lead to, to, to fewer children. So... Until 2009, you had more people living in rural than urban areas. Now that is changed. It's 55 people of the world population is now living in towns and cities. 55%. Yeah. 55%, yeah. yeah. And it's projected to reach almost 70% by 2050. Wow. wow. Now, as people move to cities, having children becomes more of a liability. Um, children need to be housed, to be educated and so on. And uh, that explains much of um, falling fertility rates. But, but interestingly, you know, again, we come back to, you know, what we were talking about earlier, that Europeans, uh, you're going to be a lot less of us, but Africans, you know, it's all going to explode. Mm. But today, I was looking at the list, and there are no African cities in the top five largest cities in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Tokyo with 37 million, number one, Delhi, number two, 29 million, then followed by Shanghai, Sao Paulo, Mexico City, about 20 plus million each. Mm. Cairo is the only African city in the top 10 with 20 million. And today, only Cairo, Lagos and Kinshasa are actually over 10 million. Mm. Mm. Um, that must change since you also mentioned that Africa's population by 2100 will be more than 4 billion. So do you have any figures on that? Yeah, we're set for a huge change. They think as early as 2030... Um, Kampala, Luanda, and Ogadugu in <laughs> Burkina Faso. Okay. I'm not making it up. Never I'm not making that, it so. up. Um, they're <laughs> set to join the top, top 10 cities. And then by 2100, then it gets really interesting. 
Um, the UN predicts that Africa will have 15 cities which are bigger than the New York City. Are you kidding? The Big Apple is not going to be so big anymore. Wow. And the estimated top 10 cities by the UN in 2100, the top three are actually all African. Are you kidding? Nope. So you mentioned Cairo, is that one of them? No, nope. not, not, not even close. So it's Cairo is is way down the list because you've got Lagos, number one, oh, yeah. from Nigeria. Nigeria yeah. Population 88 million, they think. 88 million? And bear in mind <laughs> that, do you remember during a previous pod we discussed that the population of Lagos in 1960s mm. was only 1 million? Exactly. So from 1960 to 2100, it's going to grow from 1 million to 88 million. Oh my God. And then what's even spookier is the second in the list, which is the Kinshasa, which is a Democratic Republic of Congo. Ooh. 80 million people where I cannot see there's going to be much infrastructure. Mm. You know, it's a, it's a particularly poor place today mm-hmm. and things need to drastically change. And then it's followed by Dar es Salaam in Tanzania, 75 mm-hmm. million. So wow. those make up the top three. Amazing. And then you've got Mumbai, Delhi, and then you've got into Khartoum. And then you've got a place I've not even heard of before called Niamey in Niger. And that's 55 million people are going to be living in Niamey in 2100. <laughs> you can't make it up, can you? And then you're down to Dhaka, Kolkata, and then Kabul. I mean, there's, you know, going off tangent now, but there's another, you know, place where you wouldn't expect to be mm. able to, mm. to get sanitation and education and everything else for, for 50 mm. million people in Kabul. Interesting. So by 2100, 13 of the largest 20 cities will all be in Africa, Mm. with the rest in Asia. And very interestingly, none in North America, Europe, or indeed China. And actually, the UN predicts that no European city will even be in the top 60 largest by 200. No? Because when I grew up, like Paris and London, you know, were among the biggest cities in the world. And now... And you think in Los Angeles, New York... And, and they're not even close. Hmm. You know, this is super important as it's estimated that 80% of GDP growth in the world over the next few decades will be in cities. And then 90% of growth will be in Africa and Asia. But hmm. interestingly, not in China. Mm-hmm. Again, probably because of all the difference in, mm-hmm. in what's happening there with, mm-hmm. with the demographics. So how do you think that the silent revolution will affect society in general? That's that's a very good question. I think, first of all, there will be, as we mentioned, a huge change in the ratio of young and old people. So all the persons today compromise something like, uh, how much was it? I don't remember. But it's the fastest growing age group by far. And globally, for the first time, all the people now outnumber children um, under the age of five. And by 2050, all the people will outnumber adolescents and youth, ages 15 to 24. So that's a huge change. But that's frightening because, you know, who's going to look after all these people? And, mm. and who's going mm. to make money in the economy in order to be able to fund all these pensions that is needed? Yeah, that, that, that's, that's, that's a huge, huge problem. I was in Japan uh, over Christmas. And in Japan, you have about 30% of the population is about 65. Now... Uh, that is a lot, but that figure will increase even further. And in the future, in Europe, in Korea, in much of China, uh, the rest of Asia, China, Singapore, and so on, you will reach similar figures, 
and higher. So Korea, for example, will be more than 40%. Uh, there are some nations that will be even closer to 50%. And if you can imagine, like almost of all half... all the people, that's, that's just... Exactly, you know, what, above 65, which is... That makes a such huge a change massive change to society and how yeah, it works, yeah, isn't yeah. it? And then, and then if you look at immigration, so... You know, if Africa is going to go from 1.4 billion to what do we say, 4.2, mm. then there's already I read that there's already 11 million African-born immigrants currently living in Europe, mm. and mm. we think that that's a lot. That's 11 million is nothing compared oh, no, with what no. we will end up getting if there's 4.2 or 4.3 billion people in, in yeah, Africa. So you're going to have like a push effect and a pull effect. So the push effect is, of course, you know, the rising populations in Africa. They need jobs. They need, you know, housing. Yeah, looking for a better life. Yeah, and if they them. can get better opportunities somewhere else, like in Europe, they will go. Uh, I think there was a survey made in Senegal where they asked young people, would you like to move to Europe if you could? And 70% of the people said, yes, I would like to do that. And I think with, you know, technology, cell phones, you know, cheaper plane tickets, uh, of course, they will try, you know, that will be the new America for, for, for these people. Uh, the pull effect, I think, is Europeans are getting older. We, we don't really have enough workers to do, especially the kind of work we don't want to do, like cleaning, manufacturing, manufacturing cleaning, and so yeah. on. And yeah. of course, uh, if you don't find workers here, you will have to find them somewhere else. And I think Africa will become that huge pool of uh, future workers in yeah. Europe. I think something like 3% of Africans currently live outside their home country at the moment, which you know is frankly nothing. Mm, mm. Um, what's also really interesting for me is that countries, the United Nations classified as less developed um, countries, they encompassed only uh, actually 68% of the world's population in 1950, whereas today they represent 84%. Mm, mm, mm. Um, and that share will only continue to rise, you know, because mm. virtually all of the next almost 2 billion net additions to the world populations are all going to happen pretty much in, in Africa, mm -hmm. which classified as less developed regions. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then you look at, you know, other issues you have within society, pensions, pension deficits, um, care. Will we have enough people to care mm -hmm. for the elderly? Mm -hmm. um, it, it's all frankly quite quite frightening and you know if you look at the average age of various places um you can see it immediately because japan has an average age at the moment of almost 50 years old mm -hmm. the uk poland and norway is at 40 already right um yeah. Yeah. the usa and china not far behind at 38 uh, whilst india is 27 so that seems a lot more healthy mm. and staggeringly africa is only 19 mm. years age so the average person is only 19 years of age mm, in Africa. Imagine that. Yeah. So there you go, Thomas. That, I think, is us on the silent revolution. I hope you enjoyed. And um, I pray that we manage to get <laughs> as interesting a subject mm. for the next pod. Definitely. Join us again very soon. Thank Bye. you.